listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Whatever you got to do, I'm just telling you, now's the time to get into revival. Uh, I know, Jeanette, it's just been awesome. So we're here um, for two straight weeks, and I'd love to see you. Two straight weeks. And um, I guess we finish up, we're scheduled to finish up on uh, February the 5th, which is a Friday night. And um, so if you can get here before, I'm just telling you right now, you're going to want to be here. It's going to be so good. Um, Last night was an interesting service because by the end, the power of God really was moving to touch people. I really feel like that over the last year, the enemy has done his best to try to kind of lay a blanket of heaviness um, on God's people. Maybe you, maybe you felt like that as well. If you, if you do feel like that, throw a hand in the comments if you know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, it's one, of those, it's one of those things where you feel like the enemy has done his best to really try to steal people's joy. Why? Well, the reason is because the joy of the Lord's our strength. The Bible tells us that in Nehemiah 8.10. So what happens is when the enemy tries his best, uh, he can't steal your covenant, can't take you out of the body of Christ, can't just destroy your life. So what does he do? He tries to run his system of stealing your joy. He can't steal it, so he works hard to pick away at it. And that's why... uh, you know, we, I really felt last night, I felt the anointing on this to start uh, laying hands on people and commanding that spirit of heaviness to loose and let go. Because we're not going to go through, thank you, Kofi, I love you, man. We're not going to go through uh, 2021 in heaviness. I already prophesied to you, I told you for the faithful, we're going to run through 2021. We're going to run. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That's going to be our story. Renewed strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. That's going to be our story through the whole year in Jesus' name. And so the devil's already lost. We're not running through, we're not going to crawl through, trudge through heaviness. No. It's not going to be our story. Our story is we're running and we'll not grow weary. We're walking. We shall not faint in Jesus name. And so uh, I start laying hands on people. That spirit of heaviness has to go. Power God hit this place last night. I'm just telling you, it's getting better every night. But as you saw, I put this in the uh, comment section or excuse me, in the title today. Stop helping the devil. <laughs> Stop helping the devil. And he's like, what in the world does that mean? I'm sure people are seeing the title and wondering what that even means. I'm going to break it down because um, I was actually talking on the phone to somebody yesterday and uh, we started discussing uh, people that are, you know, what we would consider, you know, charismatic word of faith style people. And um, 
there seems to be this thought process that we need to, as Christians, live by miracles, live by miracles, which really is not scriptural, not for the believer. We're not called to live by miracles. It doesn't mean we don't have access to miracles. It's not, it doesn't mean God's not going to perform miracles. But what the point I'm making is that we're not called to have to have a miracle every week. How many of you, you know, people like that? It's like they go from crisis to crisis to crisis and they need God to perform a miracle every single week just so that they can get by. If you know what I'm talking about, throw a hand up or something. You know what I mean? It's like there are people who they never seem to get out of trouble. They never seem to get out of crisis, out of problems. And so they go where they, they it's like they need a miracle every week just to pay the rent, keep the lights on, make sure their kids can eat, whatever it is. It's like from one thing to another, every, and that's not scriptural. We're not supposed to live our lives having to go from miracle to miracle to miracle to miracle. I'm not saying don't expect miracles. I'm not saying God won't perform miracles. That's what we're believing for in this new year. It's going to be a year of miracles, but I'm telling you that you shouldn't have to depend on miracles to survive every single week, miracle after miracle, just to make it. No, that's not what the Bible teaches for the people of God. That's not, that's not for us. But let me show you what the Bible does teach. The Bible says, and I'll read it to you from Hebrews uh, chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, um, the Bible says, but the just shall live by faith. You see that? The just shall live by faith. Let me read this to you in the book of Romans, chapter 1 and verse 17. Are you ready for this? Romans 1, 17. The just shall live by faith faith. <laughs> Same exact word. Same exact word. The just shall live by faith. Let me uh, read to you Galatians 3.11. You ready for this? The just shall live by faith. <laughs> Same word again. Same word again. Look at that. Three different times the Bible says the same thing. Hebrews 10, 38, Romans 1, 17, Galatians 3, 11. I think maybe the Lord's trying to tell us something. That the just, the righteous, shall live by faith. Now, we know that God will uh, literally, he'll respond to our faith and he's a supernatural God. But notice this, faith is always paired with wisdom. I want you to put that in the comments today as you're sharing the broadcast, if you haven't already. Put it in the comments. Faith is always, always paired with wisdom. Now, that doesn't mean uh, always human wisdom. It doesn't mean human wisdom. It many times means the wisdom of God, which is higher than the wisdom of men, right? Right? 
The wisdom of God is higher than the wisdom of men. In fact, God himself said that in Isaiah 55, didn't he? Isaiah 55, uh, verses 8 and 9, the Lord spoke and said, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so we know that that's true. We know that God's ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. So when we operate in divine wisdom, sometimes it won't look like human wisdom. In fact, you'll probably get some comments from people. So I don't know if you should be doing that. I mean, if you've ever had that happen, you could throw a hand up and people have probably come to you and see you doing something by faith, which really, if you're obeying a word from the Lord, it's the highest wisdom, right? There was a time my wife and I were believing for big things. Hey, brother Chris, uh, my wife and I believe for big things and the Lord spoke to us very clearly. Now, I don't do these things by myself. My wife hears it as well. I make sure there's unity because let me tell you something. Nothing can destroy a relationship more quickly than, uh, you know, one of the parties in the relationship always feeling to do these extreme things when the other one doesn't feel it at all. My wife is filled with the Holy Ghost, too. She can hear from the Lord as well and does. And so there was a time where uh, the Lord, we were believing for big things in our ministry and the Lord spoke to um, my wife and I and said, I want you both to sow everything you have in your accounts. Now that, that meant everything. He didn't say in your account. He didn't say just checking. Literally your accounts. So that meant for us, men are checking. It meant our savings and it meant our money market account, it meant all, all the things that we had in all those accounts. And the Lord said, so everything you have to your name and put it in the kingdom. Well, anybody that's a financial planner or anybody that's, you know, going to be using natural wisdom, it doesn't look like wisdom to give all of your money away, especially when you've got a family You've got a mortgage, you've got responsibilities, and people would look at that and say, that's not smart. That is not smart. I would encourage you to just kind of keep some back. You've got things, but the Lord didn't say keep some back. The Lord said, sow everything you have. Well, that's a word from the Holy Ghost. So you've got to make up in your mind at those, in those situations, do I do what seems like human wisdom, natural wisdom, or do I do what the Holy Spirit's leading me to do? And of course, as you know, we did what the Holy Spirit was leading us to do. And uh, we sowed everything we had in our accounts and the Lord blessed us so supernaturally. We were getting ready to do a crusade. The Lord paid everything. I think tens of thousands of dollars, paid it all cash, nothing left. I mean, like nothing left to pay, everything paid for supernaturally. And we needed miracles. Well, we did something that seemed like it wasn't wisdom in the natural, but because God commanded it, it's supernatural wisdom. And so I wanted you to make a distinction here because when I say that faith is always paired with wisdom, 
I want you to know and clearly understand that doesn't always mean human wisdom. Doesn't mean human wisdom. Sometimes it's talking about divine wisdom, which is an instruction from the Lord that doesn't seem right. And there may be people that try to talk you out of it. Literally, that's why you got to guard yourself. There will be people that'll try to talk you out of doing what the Lord has asked you to do. And you got to be very careful because you can get somebody who either doesn't have faith or they didn't hear the word of the Lord or whatever it might be. They'll literally, if you let them talk you out of obeying the Holy Spirit, then you miss your blessing because you relied on human wisdom rather than godly wisdom. And so it's true that faith is always paired with wisdom, but many times it's godly wisdom or divine wisdom that's from above. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts higher than your thoughts. And that's the key. And so we obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. But it also means, uh, you know, God did give us wisdom, natural wisdom. And so I'm going to, I'm going to break down uh, several areas in life because I was talking about this, like, you know, for example, let me start with something as simple as finances. Because if, if somebody's always depending on a miracle to get by financially, then you, you're, you've missed it. You've totally missed it. You've missed what the Bible teaches and you've missed, so that's divine wisdom, and you've missed natural wisdom. And many times these things will uh, intersect, which I'll show you from scripture. But let's break this down. Because I was talking to somebody on the phone yesterday and they said, man, for years, and I was a faith person, I was a word person, I was Pentecostal, I believe in God, God's power, his miracles, all those things. But I struggled financially. I struggled and struggled and struggled. And I prayed and asked the Lord, give me a word from your spirit. Why am I struggling, struggling, struggling? And he said, here's what the Lord told me. Common sense. <laughs> Common sense. And so, for example, let's start with the financial area. There are people that struggle financially. They always need a miracle, always need help, always believing for a breakthrough. Well, Look at some of the things the Bible says about how to handle your finances and realize that if you would just do the natural wisdom things that the Bible teaches, you'd not have those problems. You'd not have those problems. For example, the Bible says a fool spends all that he has. So according to scripture, there should never be a time that you spend everything you have coming in. Now it's different than the Lord telling you to sow a seed. Like for example, that was obviously an exception to the rule when the Lord spoke to my wife and I, because we were believing for big things in our ministry to sow. Sowing is not spending by the way. Sowing is not spending, but you know, I also don't believe the Lord expects you to sow everything you have all the time. He doesn't expect you to do that. He doesn't expect you to do that. And so a fool, the Bible says, spends all that he has. So do you realize you could be a tither and you could even be a giver and still not be able to walk in the manifestation of the blessings that God is sending your way because you've not obeyed the word in the area of proper money management. Woo! 
I'm stepping on some toes today. (laughs) Stop helping the devil. Stop helping the devil. He wants to see you without. If there's not extra, there'll never be extra. (laughs) That's not, that's not deep. But if there's not extra, there'll never be extra. So what do I mean by that? If you don't put anything aside, there'll never be anything there. Stop spending all you have. Stop spending everything and put something aside. You should always have something put aside. Don't spend. You know what the Bible's just plainly telling us? Live below your means. Don't live beyond your means. Live below your means. You don't have to keep up with anybody. That's pride. I don't have to wear what you wear. I don't have to drive what you drive. I don't have to live in what you live in. God will bless you so that you can, but he also wants you to use wisdom. And I've heard, foolishly, by the way, I've heard men of God mock people like Dave Ramsey, who's a godly man and preaches biblical principles. That's what he teaches on his show or in his books, if you've ever read them. Most people have never even picked up a book. Half these preachers don't even know what they're talking about. But I've heard them mock them from the pulpits. They don't know what they're talking about. Here's a man that's a multi, multi, multi millionaire because he understands a few principles that are biblical principles. I appreciate that he's told people don't ever pause your tithing when you're paying off debt. That's scriptural. God's first. It's a God first mentality. And the majority of Christians in the body of Christ, they struggle financially, not because they don't have a harvest coming. Some of them, yes, because they won't tithe and give. But many of them, they do, they do what the Bible says not to do, and they spend all that they have. You know when tax return day comes, everybody's got all new sunglasses, clothes, cell phones, everything. And so you got somebody speaking wisdom to you, and people want to mock it. Well, those are the, let me just tell you a secret. Those are the people that are going to always have to depend on a miracle to get by. They're always going to need a miracle. Always going to need a miracle. Always. I need a miracle. We need people to stand with us. We need a miracle. These are the same people that are calling. I need 15 people to sow a hundred dollar seed. There's a reason you need 15 people to sow a hundred dollar seed as a preacher. It's because you don't have extra And so now you have to force people into sowing what you need because you don't have it. And so you have to conjure it because you don't have it. And that's a problem. That's a problem. Got to have a miracle all the time. Got to have a miracle. We need a breakthrough. We're having a breakthrough offering. Every every two weeks there's a breakthrough offering at your church. It's it's not because everybody, it's because the church needs a breakthrough because they're not doing what they should, spending all they have. Even the church is living beyond their means. Problem. It's a problem. And there's not proper teaching. If people flourish, the the house of God will flourish. But see, we preach, and this this has been the travesty in the body of Christ, is that, and I'm all for prosperity teaching, we need to teach it. It's part of your covenant extreme prosperity. And I mean that. And I'm not afraid to use the word like some of these other preachers are, have to change the wording so that they don't catch the persecution. You want to use another word? That's your business. I still say prosperity because I'm not afraid of persecution or hearing anybody say, well, you're one of them prosperity preachers. Yes, I am. Actually, I am the prosperity preacher. And I don't care if people get mad about it or talk about me online or whatever else. Doesn't bother me a bit because it's in the Bible. 
And so the problem is though, we've had all this teaching on prosperity, but there's no teaching on stewardship. And without stewardship, your prosperity disappears. You put your money into bags with holes, the Bible says. It's gone. It's gone. You're like, where'd my money go? Where'd all my money go? Stop helping the devil. Stop helping him steal from you by not having anything left over. I mean, if you just do something as simple as put, you know, tithe and give. And then tithe to yourself as well. You ever think of that? Tithe to the Lord first, sow your seed and tithe to yourself as well. Put 10% of your income into an account and don't touch it. Leave it. Every 10 weeks, you've got another paycheck. You ever think of that? Every 10 weeks, you've got another paycheck in the bank that's not being touched. An entire paycheck. It's amazing. At the end of a year, you've got almost five and a half paychecks untouched in the bank, sitting in an account. That's five and a half weeks of living. You do that for a few years. You understand? It's like people don't even think of that kind of stuff. Why? Because everybody's been taught uh, to live with no self-control. I've got to have that now. I've got to have it. I've got to have it now. I need those sneakers. I need that watch. I've got to have those sunglasses. I need that new cell phone. And, and that's how people, stop helping the devil. Stop helping the devil. He wants to steal from you and you're helping him because you're not operating by a biblical principle, which is stop spending all you have. And I'm just on the first thing. <laughs> This broadcast isn't about finances. It's about stop helping the devil. And that's all it takes is the wisdom of the word operating in your life. God didn't just give us abundance. He gave us the power of stewardship. Stewardship. Amen. Stewardship. Put that word in the comments because people need to hear it more than ever before. Stewardship. Being a proper steward of what God has given you, what he's put in your hand. I'm so tired of seeing Christians struggle because they can't wait to get the thing they want. No self-control, no patience. So as a result, instead of actually paying cash for something, they'll go out and do it Rent-A-Center style and end up paying $700 for an Xbox by the time they're done. Because they had to have it right now and they had to make sure that they could do payments on it and go get it. And by the time they're done, and they put it on a credit card and they can't pay it off. And then 10 years later, they're still working on paying it off. And you went and paid and got yourself, you know, Gucci sunglasses. And instead of just paying $300 cash for them, you threw them on a card or got some kind of payment plan and ended up paying $500 because the card got built up. Now you're just doing minimum payments. Interest hits you. Stop helping the devil because you wanted Gucci sunglasses. <laughs> You might, you might even think about, about this. You're not at the place in life where you need Gucci sunglasses. Amen. Let me ask you a question. If you've already got $900 sitting on a credit card that's not paid off, why would you spend $300 on Gucci sunglasses? Hello? <laughs> Stop helping the devil. Stop helping the devil. God wants to bless you, but he's given you wisdom and he's given you the power of stewardship to do with what you should. You shouldn't have to have a financial miracle every week. 
Shouldn't have to have a financial miracle. My God, we're just believing for increase. There's a reason you have to believe for that increase every single week like that. It's because you're not doing what the Bible teaches. Amen. I said amen. And this is something that needs to be taught in the body of Christ because it's not being taught. It's not being taught. And people get up. How are you going to get up and mock somebody like Dave Ramsey when the majority of the church, the majority of the church is in debt? Ninety some percent of Christians are in debt. Credit card debt. Simple debt. They can't get out. They feel they're under the weight of it. They're fighting with their spouse about it. They've got depression about it. They're dealing with it. Working three jobs to get out of it. It's all because it's not because God's not a blesser. It's because people aren't stewarding what he's put in their hand. It's pride and it's a lack of self-control is all it is. It's the only reason. Listen to me. Listen to me. The only reason people don't have extra. Pride, lack of self-control. That's the only two reasons. Hear what I'm saying. There's only two reasons. Pride, lack of self-control. Let me break it down. Pride, because you want to appear one way in front of other people. I like how, I do like how Dave Ramsey says it. He says, we buy things we can't afford with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. <laughs> we buy things we can't afford with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. What do I care? What do I care? Honestly, what do you care? I'm not here to please other people and I'm here to impress other people. If you're impressed, God bless you. If I like something, I'll buy it. Let me tell you something. I'm not not one of those guys that's like that. If I like something, I'll buy it. If I'm in Target, men's section, and I see something that I like, I'll buy it. I don't have to say, well, I like that, but I want to find, you know, I I need to find the Louis Vuitton version of that. I need to find, you know, I need to find the the Canali version of that. Brand names don't impress me. They used to. They don't anymore. They don't anymore because I don't, I don't care. You need to not care. Stop helping the devil. Pride. And then self-control, a lack of self-control. Instead of waiting until you can pay cash for it, you got to have it right now. You got to put it on payment plan. Payment plan. I got to pay. I don't care. I'll pay the interest. I need to have it right now. Is it that great of a thing that you need it so quickly that you got to pay that interest on that thing? Really? I mean, seriously. And then Christians struggle. Why are they struggling? Pride and lack of self-control. That's the only two reasons. Well, how come you haven't put any money aside? Well, you know, we've not been able to. Well, then why haven't you been able to? Well, it's because everything you have is going out the door. Because you've not structured your life in a way where you live below your means, where there is extra to put away for later. And this is how dumb... Some Christians are, like some preachers. I blame preachers because they say stupid stuff from the pulpit. And they'll they'll say stuff like this. You know, these people got a rainy day fund. You know what that means? You're believing for a rainy day. You can't get dumber than that. Some of these people that are in the, you know, word of faith camp, and I'm in the word of faith camp, Pentecostal camp, charismatic camp. I'm in it so I can talk about it. And some of these people are so dumb that it's unbelievable. You honestly believe that if I'm saving and preparing for the future, that I have extra in the bank, it's because I'm actually believing or I have my faith that something's going to go wrong. Does it offend you? Does it offend your faith that I have something called an emergency fund? 
Does that offend your faith? Well, yeah, that means you're setting your faith for an emergency, brother. Oh, really? That's what it means? That's what you think it means? Meanwhile, you got your Stacy Adams shoes that you had to put on a credit card. Suit that melts in the sun. And you're mocking people that have extra. <laughs> well, these people that are always saving up for a rainy day means they got faith for a rainy day's coming. That's not what it means, you genius. It's called wisdom. It's called wisdom. You count up the cost, you know what it's going to take, and you live below your means, and you do what the Bible says, and you don't spend all you have. You don't spend all you have. You have extra. Then you're not, you know what? Then you're not fighting with everybody all the time. Then you're not throwing things against the wall. Then you're not screaming about which card your spouse used when they went to the store. You did what? You put the groceries on what card? I told you we were paying that card. You shouldn't have used it. You should have used it. People freaking out. You know how much peace there is that gets added to your house when there's extra money in the bank? <laughs> well, you know, money can't buy happiness. Mm. <laughs> Buys a little bit. <laughs> Buys a little bit. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever been there, but uh, it's a lot easier to uh, be peaceful when you've got all the bills paid and there's extra left over. You're not sitting up in a rocking chair all night long praying in speed tongues, hoping God comes through to get you another financial miracle so you can live another week. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's a whole lot easier to be peaceful when they're not threatening to cut your lights off. Try that one with kids in the house and a wife that's wondering why she has to live through that crap. You're like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just telling you what the Bible teaches. Money answers all things. Well, you know, money doesn't buy happiness. Uh, buy some. <laughs> buy some peace. I can tell you that. I can tell you that. There's a lot of things. You know, when people are getting divorced and they're getting divorced all over the nation at high rates. And um, one of the things people list on their divorce papers is uh, financial insecurity can't stay together because they're always fighting about money. Well, he doesn't bring in money. She, she spends all my money, whatever. And so let me tell you, Ben said, yeah, it does. I can tell you right now, it's a whole lot more peaceful in your house when all the bills are paid, you got extra in the bank and you're not trying to struggle and scrape together things to get it together. So if you've ever been on both sides of the spectrum, then you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've been in a place where you didn't have enough and now you're in a place where you've got more than enough, you know it's a whole lot better to be in the more than enough. It's not an accident. It's not an accident to come into more than enough. Everything's based on seed time and harvest. It's on action and reaction. Everything. It's not an accident to get into the overflow. It's not an accident to get into the more than enough. It's not an accident. Stop helping the devil. Stop doing things that, don't, that aren't connected to wisdom, and as a result, you struggle. Don't have to struggle. You don't have to struggle. And am I saying you can't have things? No, God will bless you. You can be blessed. You can have things. I'm not saying you can't have things. But I'm also saying that sometimes people are so enamored with having things that things end up having them, and then they have to have the things, so they'll do everything they can get to get the things. And that's why they struggle. That's why they struggle. I'm just telling you the truth. Just telling you the truth. I'm a truth teller. 
I could speak any language that I want on this broadcast and I've chose to speak truth. Um, <laughs> let me go to another area in case you think I'm just over, if I'm just butchering the going after the financial area. Let me go to another area. Stop helping the devil. People are helping the devil in their own physical bodies. In their own physical bodies. I don't know, we've just had a lot come against us uh, in our family, against our, you know, we've had a lot of issues with health and problems. Stop helping the devil. You want to keep, every, you have to always have to have, always have to have a physical miracle because there's just always something going wrong in your body. But you don't take care of your body. So what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? Well, you know, we've had these issues. I, I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. If that, you know, offends your faith, it's probably time to log off. Um, I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast, and he had on a doctor who was, uh, who's a long life specialist. I think her name's Dr. Rhonda Patrick. You can look her up. Dr. Rhonda Patrick. And she's been on like three times. And um, he, was, he was talking to her about it. And she, she brought up something that I thought was, I actually rewound it. I put this in the fasting book because people needed to hear this truth in the body of Christ. She's not a Christian and he's not a Christian. And she started uh, talking about this. She said, did you know that many, many people that are in the hospital for care are in the hospital for something called metabolic syndrome? Metabolic syndrome, which includes high triglyceride levels, uh, you know, type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetic, uh, high blood pressure, all these things. It's all lumped into one thing called metabolic syndrome. And I think what she said, and I put all the statistics in the book, you can get the book and read it. But uh, she said, you know, over 50% of people that are being treated in hospitals are being treated for some form of metabolic syndrome. I thought, what? And understand this, that means it could be changed by your disciplines. You know what's crazy? Why do people wait until it's an emergency and a doctor puts them on a regimen before they get on a regimen? Do you ever wonder? Why do people always wait until it's an emergency and they're in a crisis until a doctor puts them on a regimen to get on a regimen? Why aren't you just on one by wisdom? You ever wonder that? Why aren't you just on one by wisdom? Why do you have to become, why, does, why do you have to eat yourself halfway to the grave and then the doctor has a long face and says, listen, we got to take some serious precautions here and now because you're, or not even, most people's not even precautions at that point, they're in it. So now we got to make some serious changes in your life. Uh, I'm just... I don't know. We're going to have to change your diet. We're going to have to change, put you on this, put you on that. Why do you wait until there's a crisis to take care of your body? Why do you wait until you've destroyed your pancreas? Because it can no longer produce insulin at the levels it used to because you've just hammered it with carbohydrates for the last 30 years. Why do you wait instead of using wisdom? Why does it have to be a crisis? Why do you then need to believe for a miracle? The just don't live by miracles. They live by faith. And faith is coupled with wisdom. No question. That's right. 
Kimberly says preventative care versus acute care. Wisdom. Use wisdom. You know, we've really had an issue, uh, you know, heart disease and, and diabetes and, uh, you know, all this is, uh, high blood pressure has really run through our family. I think it's a generational curse. It ain't a generational curse, baby. You've got up every morning with your family and ate biscuits and gravy and had a huge glass of orange juice. That ain't a demon. That's not a demon. Those are called carbohydrates. <laughs> I think there's a generational curse hitting our family. That ain't a generational curse. It's generational lack of wisdom is what it is. Stop helping the devil. Stop helping the devil. I know I'm stepping on toes today. It's a toe-stepping broadcast. Because <laughs> I want to see God bless you. I want to see God help you. But in order for God to do what he wants to do in your life, he's expecting us to use the wisdom of his word and to take care of the temple of the Holy Ghost. You know, one of the things that I, um, <laughs> Bethany said, how did you know what we had for breakfast? It was a word for you, Bethany. Um, I was reading that where Paul had to um, remind the Corinthians. And it's, it's interesting to me because Paul Reminded the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verse 19 and 20. Let me read these. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. Put that reference in the comments. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Hmm. Let me read it. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Look at verse 20. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, I understand that the context of this passage is fleeing sexual immorality, but it actually bleeds over into every area that has to do with your physical body. You don't belong to you. You belong to the Lord because he purchased you with his blood, Jesus. And now you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I, I wrote it this way in the book on uh, fasting and prayer. I said, you know, imagine if the Holy Spirit was coming as a physical person or Jesus to come stay at your house. He was going to come live with you for a month. I said, imagine how you would prepare your home for Jesus to come live there for 30 days. Probably what everybody would do that loves the Lord anyway is they would move out of their master bedroom, the nicest room in the house, and they would make that room ready for Jesus. I mean, I know I would. If that's you, you'd do the same. Throw a hand up in the comments. You'd move out of the master bedroom and you would prepare that room for Jesus. If it were me, I can tell you what I would do. I don't care how new the carpet was or how new the house was or old. I would tear the carpet out of that room 
and I'd lay fresh carpet, fresh carpet. I would paint the room fresh again. I'd make sure everything in there was perfect. Anything that was um, needed repair or uh, needed to be replaced would quickly be replaced. I would make sure that when Jesus came into that room to live in my house for a month, that he had everything that he needed and wanted. I would put a refrigerator in there with all of his favorite drinks. I'd find out what they were. I'd make sure I contacted him ahead of time. I would do all the things that he needed. I'd make sure he had every resource, every uh, provision, whatever it was, it would be the best of the best. You know, I'd make sure there was something in there. It always smelled good, looked good, was comfortable. It was the best. I'd redo the whole room if I had to. And I would. Whether it was nice or not, it would be like fresh, brand new when he came in. New sheets, new bed, new mattress, new box spring, new frame, everything. Lynn Ann said, and I'd make him a plate of homemade biscuits and sausage gravy with fried eggs for breakfast. I feel you. And I would make it. And think about that. That's how we would prepare for Jesus to come live in our house. We wouldn't put him down in the basement on a blow-up mattress where it's damp and moldy. Some blow-up mattress that's been in an old box for the last three years in your basement gathering dust. Throw a little candle up down there and say, hey, Lord, happy, I hope you have a great good night's sleep. We'll see you in the morning. I wouldn't, I would never do that to Jesus. So if that's the case, why would we do that to him with our bodies? If we know that he dwells in our bodies, why would we give him that kind of a body to live in? Did you ever think about that? I mean, it's just a question to ask yourself. Why would I give him that kind of a body to live in, a body that never gets taken care of, a body that just keeps getting hammered, a body that just continually is destroyed. Why would I smoke? Why would I smoke and put, try to put Jesus in that kind of body? Why would I drink alcohol and put Jesus in that kind of body? Why would I destroy my organs by not using wisdom when I eat? By never fasting, by never praying, why would I put Jesus in that kind of a body? We got to think like that because what we're preaching on today, stop helping the devil. Stop helping the devil. And then you always need a, 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 a physical miracle every two weeks. Oh, I've been hit. Oh my God, I've been hit. It's, it's coming on me again. I was like, take care. Take care. It's very important. We shouldn't have to walk by miracles. We walk by faith. And faith works by wisdom. You're never going to see, you know, faith trusts that God knows better than you know. Faith trusts that God, his ways are higher than your ways, his thoughts higher than your thoughts. That's what we trust and believe. So the question becomes, if we do believe him, then his word should be the standard for every area of life. You know, we always talk about wanting our kids. I'm, I'm going I'm to keep, uh, keep going. It's not just finances. It's not just physical health. 
I'm gonna keep going. We want our kids to end up in the best possible environment and with the best possible outcome. But then we let them watch whatever. I've seen parents, I can't believe it. They'll let their kids watch whatever. There's kids shows we won't even let our kids watch. Kids shows made for kids. We don't even let our kids watch. And then, you know, we want our kids to always come to the best outcome. And then we'll let them hang with anybody. We don't let our kids hang with anybody. Just go do whatever. Hang with anybody. We don't let it happen. Why? Because we are training them up in the way that they should go. That means that we're cutting out the ways they shouldn't go. We want our kids to be so, that's one of the reasons we launched Miracle Word Kids. We want to see your kids raised up in faith, obviously. And then we want our kids to end up the best, and we always think of the negative things, right? Now, I wouldn't let my kids watch that. I wouldn't let my kids hang with them. But then how many of us have not forced our kids to be on a Bible reading plan? That's why we launched it with Miracle Word Kids. We had parents writing back said, man, I've not read this much of the Bible. I'm glad you're getting in on it with the kids. But what are we doing? Training them to get up in the morning and read the Bible. That is, this right here, fuel for life. You'd be surprised how many Christians have never read the Bible all the way through. That's why we're going through the Bible in 90 days. Read the Bible. We want our kids to do the best. Well, oh, well, we want them to just be so blessed. We want them to love the Lord. If we want them to love the Lord, why do we live like we don't love the Lord? Let me ask you a question. When do your kids see you reading the Bible? When do they see you praising God? When do they see you praying? Do you pray with them? Do you pray over them? Do you read the Bible in front of them? What do we, let me ask you a question. What do we, what are we telling our kids when we only go to church once every three to four weeks? What are we telling our kids? And see, I'm not a pastor. So this is not a self-serving message to my congregation because I want more people in the seats. I'm telling you because I'm helping you. Understand this. What do we teach our kids in their mind, whether subconsciously or consciously, when we don't go to church faithfully? What are we telling them? What are we teaching them? When we say, you know what? You know, we usually go to church, but, you know, it's a Sunday. We need to go to the lake. It's nice outside. We got the boat out. We need to go to the lake. We need to go camping. We need to go to. What are we teaching them when we go on vacation? Or if they hear, hear us, oh, I need a break from church. What are we teaching them? What are we, let me ask you a question. What are we teaching our children when we allow them to do travel baseball and travel basketball and skip church for that? Let me tell you, that's one of the dumbest things. It's one of the dumbest things a parent can do. And I mean that as wholeheartedly and fully as I can mean it. And I'm not, I'm not saying, when I say it's dumb, I mean it's dumb to the nth degree. Dumb. If you're watching me and that offends you, stay tuned. 
because that's dumb that we teach our kids that travel baseball is more important than Sunday church. You wonder why they grow up lukewarm and don't go faithfully to church. It's because you raised them up teaching them that some little travel baseball, they ain't going to the major leagues. People blow my mind. Well, we we don't want them to lose their childhood. I don't want them to lose their life. Think about that. Well, you know, we didn't want them to miss their prom. (laughs) You know what I wanted them to miss out on? Not being a mother before they were out of their teens. Well, you know, travel baseball. And we teach our kids. Yeah, you know, we can always go to church. You know, these opportunities don't always go. That's stupid. That's straight up stupid. Travel baseball, travel basketball, skipping church for a... I was on a state championship basketball team. We weren't goofing off. We weren't some little ragtag bunch of bad, bad news bears. We won the state championship, played in front of 16,000 people, diamond rings on our fingers. That's, that's who we were. And I told the coach, straight up, went to him. And I said, listen to me. I know we've got a great team. I know we're going to crush it. I know we're going to go far. But if you call a practice... On a Wednesday night, forget Sunday. You better not do anything on Sunday. But I told him, I said, if you even call a practice on a Wednesday night or if there's a game scheduled, you're not going to see me there. I won't be there. He said, what are you talking about? You better be part of this. I said, I'm a part of the team. I said, you're not going to see me on a Wednesday night or a Sunday. I said, because I go to church on Wednesday night and I go to church on Sunday. He said, if you do that, then when you come back to basketball, I'm going to punish you by making you do extra laps. You're going to have to run 30 to 40 laps around the gym before every practice. I said, I'll take the laps. You know, manipulate me out of going to the house of God. And see, they're not supposed to do that. Coaches aren't supposed to penalize you for your religious belief systems, but they do it anyway. They do it anyway. I said, you know what? I don't care. I was already tired by the time we started practice because I ran my 30 to 40 laps around the gym. So let me tell you something. I would rather be that person because let me tell you something. I grew up and I ain't in the NBA, but I am still in the house of God because God's more important than any other thing in life. And we're te- Let me just tell you something. We teach our children, whether we know it or not, what's important by what we do, and they see it. There's a reason kids grow up and don't come back to church, because they grow up and see their parents don't even value church. And the church, they they took them to some dead church their whole life, their lives were never changed, still screamed at their wife, still had issues, still got drunk. Church didn't change my father. That's what people say. And then they don't go back, because they don't think there's any value in it. We've taught them to think that way. Stop helping the devil. Stop helping the devil. Amen. This stuff needs to be said. Because the actions we're taking help the enemy with his plan against our family, against our body, against our finances. Stop helping the devil. Train your children up in the way they should go. Show them. Maybe before you had kids, church wasn't that important to you. Make it important to you. Catch on fire. Make it important. 
Don't let your kids grow up saying, well, you know, when we're on vacation, we're on vacation. You know, we don't go to church. When we're on vacation, we go to church. Hear what I'm saying. I'm in church more than anybody you know. More than anybody you know. When I hear preachers that the pastor churches complain because they have to preach 50 times a year, I laugh. Oh, you know, I have to preach about 50 times this year. I preach 50 times in like two months. <laughs> People crack me up. So I'm in church more than anybody you know. And when I go on vacation, I don't say, well, you know, this is my break from church. It ain't, I don't need a break from church. Think of how crazy it is for somebody to say, oh, I need a break from the presence of God. That's stupid. You know, I need a break from the presence of God. But what's your problem? Why do you need a, why do you need a break from the presence of God? People go on, well, we are on vacation. Find a church wherever you are and go to it. We did that. We've always done it. If we're on the road and we're not preaching somewhere and we're vacationing or we're at, you know, whatever, the parks, whatever we're doing, I'll still Google a church where we are. What's a good church locally? I'll find it and we'll attend it. And we always have. We always will. Our kids know. We go to church. We go to church. Please don't be that Christian that goes to church once every four weeks. You, you, what are you, punching your card? I, I, got, I, I did it this month, went, went to the house of God this month. Don't be that person. Be the one that's there every time the doors are open. Be faithful to your church. Be faithful to your church. It's showing your uh, next generation and your friends and family that this is who we are. This is what we do. We're faithful to God. We're faithful to God. You know, I would encourage you with this. Look at that. That's a great thing, Kayla. She said, I'll be honest, before kids, I wasn't consistent, but after kids, I became consistent. We praise every day. We read the Bible every day. Kids devotional every day, two-year-old twins. That's excellent. That is excellent. Amen, Kimberly. Amen, Yanil. That's exactly right, because see, our kids need us to show them the way. They'll not just know. They'll not just figure it out. They'll copy what they see us do. They'll copy what they see us do. I've heard it said that what one generation tolerates, the next generation celebrates. Put that in the comments. What one generation tolerates, the next generation celebrates. And that's what's dangerous. I don't want my kids, you know, I don't want my kids to be alcoholics, but I don't want my kids to even be social drinkers. So you know what? I don't keep any alcohol in my house. Alcohol doesn't come into my house. I wouldn't even care if I had people staying with me. I did at one point. You know, we, we allowed, uh, we had, a, there was, a, Carolyn had like a cousin or somebody that they were moving into town when we lived in Virginia and they needed some uh, time because they were trying to find a house and all that. And, um, you know, they asked if, they, if we wouldn't mind if they stayed with us for a few weeks while they were trying to find a house, find a place to stay. No problem. We're happy to be a blessing to you. Happy to be a blessing to you. And uh, he was in the military. And, you know, he would have a beer every now and then, whatever. He liked to come home, have a beer. And uh, I told him, you know, we told him, you're not, you're not keeping beers in my, beer in my refrigerator. 
You're not keeping beer in my house. I got, you know, it's just not happening. Not in my house. You can go do, so, do whatever you want somewhere else, but not in my house. And he respected that and honored what I told him. I'm not keeping beer in my refrigerator because I'm not setting any kind of precedent. I don't even want my children to see it in my house. It's not in my house. Well, you, you think drinking's a sin. I understand that, you know, you could look at the Bible and say, well, you know, having a, a, a glass of wine's not a sin. They did it in the Bible. I understand you can think like that if you want to, but you can also read what the Bible says about the fact that wine's not for kings. It's for people that are trying to forget their troubles. It's for those that are dying. The Bible says that. So which one are you? The one who's not a king, like the Bible says you are? Or are you the one that's trying to forget your troubles, like the Bible says? Or are you the one that's dying, like the Bible says? Which one are you? Because the Bible says wine's a mocker. There's a reason that if you want to be a leader in the body of Christ, you're not to be given to wine. There's a reason. I don't want it in my house. I don't want it around my kids. I'm not condemning people. I'm telling you, I'm not raising my kids that way. Because what happens is, what one generation tolerates, the next generation celebrates. Ministers who drink aren't smart. And I'm being honest about that. And I don't care who you are watching me. I don't care who you are. If you're a minister and you drink alcohol, you are not smart. And I don't care if you don't do it, if you do it privately, you're not smart. And I don't care how successful your ministry is. You're not smart. Let that sink in for a minute. Let it sink in. If you're a Christian and you do it, you're not smart. Especially if you have kids. You aren't smart. Let me explain why. The Bible says, the Bible says that we're to be sober and vigilant. Now, you can argue and say, well, you know, drinking's not a sin. It's being drunk that's a sin. Okay. If that's the direction you want to go, drinking's not a sin. Being drunk is a sin, right? And we know that it, that, that is a sin. Here's a question for you. Who determines what drunk is? Let me ask you that. And I want you to really think about it. Because you don't even have to have that many drinks to be, up, to be beyond the legal limit in your state. You could be pretty intact and think to yourself, I've only had a few. I can, I can get in a car and drive home. I'm not like tipsy or anything. But if you did a breathalyzer test, you'd be above the legal limit. So let me ask you this. Do you think God is more lenient than the state government? Or do you think God has a stricter policy than the, than the wicked state? Let me ask you. You think God's more lenient than the state is? He's not, just to answer the question in case you're wondering. And it's all, it's all relative. You know, because you know, drunk is, is not the same for everybody. So what are you going to do? 
Everybody weighs a different weight. That plays into whether you can get drunk faster or slower. You have more body mass. How much food did you eat before you drank whatever you were going to drink? Because that plays into whether or not you get drunk faster or slower. Your alcohol tolerance may be different than somebody else. That plays into whether or not you'll get drunk faster or slower. Is that the game you want to play? Is that the game you want to play? Is that what you want to do? See how close you can get to displeasing God with your life? That's what you want to do? Not smart. That's why we don't do it. Not trying to get as close as possible. <laughs> I heard a preacher say it this way because it brings it more into context. Ladies, I know we have guys watching and ladies. So either one, you just take it from your side. If you're married, what if there was, you know, a dude that came into your house and said, listen, your wife is, is beautiful. I don't want to sleep with her. I just want to kiss her for a while. I just want to kiss her for a while. I just want me and her to go in our, in, in this room. And I just want to, I want to kiss your wife for a while. That's it. I don't want to sleep with her. You know, I want to, I want to touch her a little bit. Ladies, what if, what if another lady came into your house, said that about your husband? He is handsome. Your husband is very handsome. I don't want to have sex with him. I just want to kiss him for a while. I just want to make out a little bit. You know, I want to just feel his, you know, touch his chest and feel his body. Like, oh, you know what? It's not a sin. It's not a sin. You know, they're not having sex. So, you know, I guess it's a, how close do you want to get? How close do you want to get to displeasing the Lord? How close do you want to get? These preachers, you got preachers posting their stuff on Instagram and social media at bars, drinking, holding their drink up to the social media camera, taking shots with people. Preachers going to vineyards, going to wine tastings. You're not smart. You're not smart. And I will not take that back. I don't care what preacher stands in front of me. It doesn't matter. I don't care how old they are. They're my senior. I don't care who it is. I don't care how close they are to me in my life. If that's what you do in your private time and in your life, you are not smart. And you're definitely not as smart as you think you are. You're a fool to do that. Well, how... Somebody said, if somebody did that to my husband or wife, I'd say something very unchristian. <laughs> you better believe it. Heather said, someone would die that day. <laughs> yeah, Leslie said they'd get a fist in the mouth. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to tell you right now, we need to be more serious about the things of God than we have been in the past. People need to get more serious. Meanwhile, you got the world going to hell. And, and we wonder, you know, we sit around and wonder, I wonder why these ministers don't carry a stronger anointing on their person. There's a reason they don't. There's a reason they don't. There's a reason. That, by the way, when I said that thing earlier about, um, you know, that, that we're not supposed to be given to wine as, as ministers, let me tell you, that was for deacons in the church, not pastors, deacons. The word bishop is an elder or an overseer. It's more likened to a deacon than anything else. It's not one of the fivefold ministry gifts. 
He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Those are the fivefold ministries. Bishop's not in there. Missionary's not in there. I'm not disrespecting the term. I'm saying that in that context here, it's uh, a lot of times the Greek word is diakonos. It means deacon. And that was the, that was the level of expectation for a deacon. Not even a pastor, an evangelist, an apostle, prophet. You hear what I'm saying? It's not intelligent. Well, you know, we do have Christian liberties. Yeah, you keep on going with your Christian liberty. Let people see that's who you are. I'm just telling you, I, I would never retract that statement. I honestly would not. If people are hurt by it, offended by it, be mad at God. Don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. Because I want to see a generation changed by the power of God. It's not like we're like overrunning this nation with powerful men of God that are shaking this nation. You've got people that are compromising. You've got people that won't stand up, that won't stand for our Christian liberties. You've got people that won't even stand up for holiness. You've got people preaching the false hyper grace message. You've got churches that are shut down and staying shut down. Pentecostal churches that still aren't open. So don't tell me that we're overrun with powerful men of God that are just shaking this nation because they're not. And we need it. And it's because people have bowed their knee to the culture and the world. And if you think that's too strong, get ready for the rest of 2021. Because I'm not watering it down. I don't care. We need to stop helping the devil. Stop helping the devil. And do what's right. Do what's right. I'm going to pray for you in a minute. I just want you to hear this today. Because crises that happen in people's lives, many times they're not accidents. I understand there are times when the devil does truly attack. He does come against you. No question. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. We understand that there are, there is spiritual warfare. I understand that. We fight the good fight of faith. We lay hold on eternal life. I get all that. There is a truly a time where the devil's attacking. But the majority of things that happen to Christians, the majority, is because they will not control the flesh nature. They won't control the flesh nature. Our flesh is constantly at war with the spirit. Galatians 5.17. The flesh is at war with the spirit. Trying to get it to do things that are not pleasing to God. And until your body's glorified in the rapture or on resurrection day, it will want to do the things that please the flesh. While your spirit man wants to do things that are pleasing unto the Lord. Amen. Do you know, uh, just, just get, let me give you one more thing because... I was watching, again, the Joe Rogan podcast, and that she was, she was on there, that lady that's the long life specialist. Neither of them are Christians. I think Joe Rogan's an agnostic or an atheist. Uh, he knows that you can't say atheist because you can't prove it. But he's an agnostic at least. She's not a Christian. And he asked her about drinking on the podcast. And the woman who's a long life specialist, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, she said, drinking alcohol is basically just drinking poison for your body. He said, no, I'm not talking about, you know, partying and drinking a lot and all that. He said, I'm talking about just drinking in moderation. You know what she said? Do you know what she said? 
She said, yeah, it's basically just drinking poison in moderation. That's what she said. She's not a Christian. It wasn't a Christian program for those of you that don't know who Joe Rogan is. And she said, yeah, it's like drinking poison in moderation. These are sinners talking like this. And you got Christians out there. Yeah, you know, it's all right. Please. You're not serious. You're not even serious about the kingdom. Because you're not doing what Peter commanded us to do by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Be sober and be vigilant. How can you be? Here's a, here's a question. I know that this is, uh, sounds simplified. How can you be sober if you're not sober? <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's time for the body of Christ to go to another level. I'm very happy to hear that the, all these men of God that have prophesied, our bishop prophesied it, uh, Dr. Or Brother Kenneth Copeland prophesied, other ministers around the country. This is a year that the church is going to rise. The church is going to rise in productivity, impact, anointing. We're going to see the power of God move through the body of Christ. And I'm telling you, I believe it with all my heart. That's why the Lord spoke to me starting in the fall of last year. We're going to run in 2021. That's going to be our story. We're going to run in 2021. Hallelujah. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. We're going to run in 2021. And I'm just, that's why I did this broadcast today because I heard the Lord say, stop helping the devil. Stop helping the devil. You don't have to help him. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came that you could have life, have it more abundantly, but he gave us the word so that we'd have the wisdom to have abundant life. Hallelujah. Amen, Lena. Amen. And so I want to pray for those of you watching today because God has a plan to bless you. And I mean bless you abundantly. I believe this is going to be the best year you've ever had in the history of your Christian life. And God's given you the wisdom. Here, listen, if you don't have, you feel like you don't have wisdom, if you feel like you're in that place where you don't have wisdom, you know what the Bible says? Ask God to give you wisdom. James 1, 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all men liberally and will not rebuke them for asking. If you don't have wisdom, you feel like you need more, ask God. He'll give it to you. He wants you to be wise. He's not trying to keep wisdom back from you. He's trying to give you more wisdom. Someone said Rhonda who? I believe her name, Dawn, is uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick. I believe her name is Dr. Rhonda Patrick. You can look her up. She's a long life specialist. But let me pray for every one of you watching. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for your people today. I love your people, Lord. Bless them abundantly. Let this year blow every person's mind who's not saved, who sees what you do in our lives in 2021. Let it be so spectacular. Let our lives be a spectacle. Hallelujah. Let our lives be a spectacle of your goodness and of your mercy and of your favor. Lord, use us like you've never used us in 2021. I pray you open doors supernaturally for every one of us to run through, glory to God, to run through by the power of your spirit, accomplish more than we ever have. Use us, keep us set apart and holy vessels of gold for the master's use in Jesus' wonderful name. We thank you for it. We give you honor and glory and praise for what you're using us to do. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for setting us apart. Thank you for making us a part of the family of God. We give you honor, glory, and praise 
In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Thank you, Jesus. I can't wait. If you believe it, receive it, throw some fire up, throw some hands up in the comments section. I'm just telling you, this is going to be a year of supernatural favor like we've never seen. Like we've never seen. Listen, we're talking about this today. The Lord's speaking to you to sow seeds. Sow a seed right now. Sow a seed right now by the power of the Holy Ghost. You know, we're talking about stop helping the devil. The devil don't want you sowing. He doesn't want you sowing. He doesn't want you reaping. And so he tries to stop your sowing. Put a kick in his teeth today. Put a kick in the devil's teeth today and release a seed into the kingdom that will kickstart a harvest like you've never had. He doesn't want, the reason the devil don't want you sowing, he doesn't want you reaping. But harvests follow seeds. And the devil can't stop God's system of seed time and harvest. Bible says in Genesis 8, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. Hallelujah. The ways to sow are on the screen. If you'd like to use the website, miracleword.com is available. All of the ways to give are even on the website. You can use PayPal or Cash App, Venmo. You can even use hashtag donate as, as Evangelist Kofi did earlier in the broadcast. If you're on Facebook, Periscope, or Twitter, I found out yesterday Periscope's coming to an end on March the 31st. I guess it's just going to be Twitter Live after that. Twitter Live. Thank you, Leslie. No, I think you got to write donate, hashtag donate 20. Oh, I think there's just got an extra T in there. Thank you for sowing a seed. Thank you, Kofi. Thank you, Leslie. Those sowing on the website, thank you. I mean, I'm being serious. This is not going to be a year like any other year. It's not going to be a year like, any, like 2020. We're not, we're, not, we're not having it in Jesus' name. We are not having it. Reject every plan of the enemy. And don't, you don't need to help him. Do what the Lord's asking you to do. You know, your flesh even fights back against sowing. There's, there's things that your flesh will just try to push back. Push back. Doesn't want, why? The, the natural nature, the flesh nature, doesn't want to do things that are pleasing unto the Lord. So it pushes back. And there'll be times where you're getting ready to prepare a seed and your flesh will start telling you, no, you don't need to do that right now. Now's not the time for that. And you have to overcome the flesh and say, I'm listening to the voice of the spirit and I will be blessed. Thank you, Elizabeth. God bless you, Jolene. Jo I never know if it's Jolene or Jolene. So let me know because I don't ever want to say it wrong. Thank you. Amen. But take your, take your opportunity right now. See, here's what, I'm, what I know. This is what I know. God has a plan to supernaturally bless his children. But that plan is kick-started by our obedience to his instructions. See, this is the why the Lord does it. Because you know, people say, well, God can do anything he wants to do. In reality, he can't do anything he wants to do. Joe Lynn, not lean, Joe Lynn. There we go, got it. God does what he set out in his word. He doesn't violate his word. So there's a reason. Hear what I'm saying. Thank you, Dennis. There's a reason why God responds to faith. It's because he set it up that way. He set that system in place. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And those that uh, come to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. Who's he a rewarder of? Those that diligently seek him. Thank you, Tyra. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so, as you seek him by faith, he rewards. Seek by faith, he rewards. Seek by faith, he rewards. That's how he does it. That's how he does it. And so, as you're sowing, see, God has the plan to bless you. And he says, now I'm waiting on your obedience by faith so I can release what I have planned. If, if people don't receive their blessing, it's not because God doesn't have one. It's because they've not sought it by faith. By faith. And so take a minute and sow that seed today. Do what the Lord's telling you to do. You'll be blessed. And then I want to say this. As you know, we only have really a few more days of January left. But for everybody that's partnering with us in, thank you, Carla. Everybody that's partnering with us in the month of January... Uh, at $85 or more throughout the month, um, we're going to send you this book by Gloria Copeland entitled, God's Will is Prosperity. Powerful book on this subject that's so important, especially right now. God's Will is Prosperity. On the screen, you can see that website, miracleword.com forward slash offer. Miracleword.com forward slash offer. And when you go there, you can fill out the form and you can uh, give us your address so we know where to send the book and uh, tell us where you gave. That helps us to get all of the receipts for you at the end of the year for your taxes as well. Thank you. And then, of course, anybody that's sewing largely, $1,000 or more, we're going to include with that book a genuine leather life application study Bible in the New Living Translation, a phenomenal study resource. I love it. I keep it on everything. I have a hard copy at home, keep one on my phone, keep one on my iPad. I have it everywhere. I use it all the time. You'll love it. We're going to be back tonight, 7 o'clock. Revival continues. It's night three here at World Harvest Church in Roswell, Georgia. We would love to see you here. I'm telling you, this is going to be a powerful two weeks. It already has been. We posted all the pictures up uh, from last night online. Go check it out. God is, God is blessing us, man. Get in a car, get on a plane, and get to Roswell and be a part of these meetings. It will bless you and get you headed in the right direction at the beginning of the year. Momentum for your year. I love you. I'll see you tonight at 7. Have a wonderful day, and I'll talk to you again very soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.